0: I'm Kara Infante and this is Bookish Flights. In each episode, I chat with one bookish guest as we take some time to sample and savor the pairing recommendations from their bookish flight. We hope to give you suggestions to cultivate your TBR list and nurture your leisure time through books. In today's episode, I am chatting with Paul Attaway. Paul was born and raised in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Paul attended Georgetown University and graduated from the University of Georgia School of Law. He and his wife then moved to Phoenix, Arizona, where Paul embarked on a 30-year business career before retiring to pursue fiction. Paul and his wife relocated to Charleston, South Carolina after raising three children in Phoenix. Blood in the Low Country is Paul's debut novel. Writing this book, along with the move to Charleston, is a coming home of sorts, a return to the South. The history and culture of America South is rich, complicated, at times comical, sad, tragic, uplifting, and inspiring. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Well, let's see here. I think that almost changes uh, daily um, in that kind of depends upon what role you're playing. We all have lots of roles. So, on a, on a recurring basis, I've uh, been happily married for 35 plus years. Uh, new to the slate of uh, job titles is uh, granddad. So, nice. we have two grandchildren. Congratulations. Um, and thank you. Thank you. That's a lot of fun. And um, a new a new project uh, that I have is I'm now a walking history tour guide in Charleston. Oh, cool. So I've been doing this since about February. So I get to give walking tours of a city. If you've never been to Charleston, it is uh, America's most well-preserved city. We have homes here dating back to the early 1700s. And the the, the city is just overwhelmed with the history and uh, so that's sort of my lo- uh, my newest title, yeah. The uh, Walking History Tour Guide.
0: And what a way to learn about the place you live. How long have Absolutely. you been in Charleston now?
1: We've been visiting since 2010. Okay. One of our daughters was a freshman here at College of Charleston. And we joked that when she graduated in 2014, she left, but mom and I moved in and we (laughs) stayed. So we've been visiting since 2010. And three years ago, we sold our house in Phoenix and we moved here permanently.
0: Okay. I have, we're a Navy family, actually. So I have a few friends that are stationed there. So if they wanted to do this walking tour, how would they find you?
1: Uh, well, you have my contact information. Okay. just pass it on right. and have them email me, and and we can take care of the rest.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, and then listeners, we'll maybe put how you could contact Paul in the show notes as well. If that if that's your neck of the woods and you're interested, um, because we move a lot too, I always that would be such a great way to learn about the new place you move or live. It is. Yeah,
1: I get a chance to learn uh, daily. Um, ask questions by the people in my tours, uh, and the ones I don't know, I go home that afternoon and I find the answer. So I'm I'm armed next time in case somebody asks the same question.
0: Yeah. Do you create the tour yourself then?
1: Um, um, yes and no. Okay. Uh, but at the end of the day, the tour is laid out here. Uh, we walk by where the Revolutionary War began, uh, not where it began, but where the first naval battle was, was here in our harbor. Of course, Fort Sumter, yeah. kickoff of the Civil War, was here. Uh, some of the earliest colonial settlers were here. So we just walk by all the historical spots. I don't have to create anything, I just have to lead them by.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the story tells itself a bit.
1: The, the story is there for us to discover and tell.
0: Well, that is really cool. Well, let's. Since we're already into stories and some right. essentially some writing of sorts, whether it's a verbal or on a page, why don't you tell us a little bit about your debut novel?
1: Blood in the Low Country. Uh, this book came out a few years ago, and it was exactly that. It was the first novel I'd ever written. And I had a 30-plus year career in the business world. And we, be- my wife and I, we became empty nesters. And I was too young to retire, but I was I was too exhausted to start any new businesses. And so, I I became a consultant, and and I that yeah, was somewhat satisfying, but I was between consulting gigs, and you know I was mouthing off. I had just finished a book. I would say something like, "What a fantastic book," or I finished a book and I go, "That's not very good. I could do better." <laughs> so my I, I my wife and I joked that she said, um, "Paul, I'm getting a little sick and tired of hearing you say you could write a book." <laughs> Either do it or move on. So I said, "Fine." So I decided I was going to try to write a book. So I read lots of books on how to write books, and lots of blogs, and really immerse myself in that. And then, you know, some of the advice you receive is, you know, write what you know. So I began, you know, making notes. What is it that I have, you know, intricate knowledge with? Blah 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 blah. And so I ended up with a stack of legal pads this high of just just notes and ideas. Wow. And so we were here in Charleston of uh visiting we had a a place to stay for a period of time and i walked to this library uh that um i I sat down and i began to literally a blank sheet began to try to write and it was um uh intimidating and i had no idea what i was doing Um, long story short, uh, we had recently been introduced to a couple and they were a little bit older than us and they had fully retired. And he had been a film editor and he knew a bit about storytelling. He had spent a lot of time in writing rooms and he came back and he says, Paul, quit trying to write a book. Just write, just write, write whatever pops into your head, just write. And then you'll write a scene. And then before you know it, you'll write another scene. And then you just sort of stitch them together. Well, this was the basic philosophy that i employed as i started out and then it's hard to explain it. i just really got into it yeah and i ended up um you know um you know writing a story and my basic uh initial idea was that i could write about fathers and sons okay and so i wanted to have you know a father son some tension there um and i had I, my father's passed away a long time ago but we had a great relationship so that was that was underlying the story But I'm writing along and at some point I realized, well, this is really boring. No one wants (laughs) to read this story. So I go, someone's got to die. So, you know, we killed one of the characters and now we have a mystery. So the story really just began, uh, you know, to unfold. And I, you know, had these characters and then I really worked hard at ensuring that the characters reacted in a way that was consistent with their character to the, you know, all the stuff that I threw at them. And before you know it, we, we had a book that was written. Wow. Um, the book is a family drama. It's set in Charleston. Uh, you could describe it as Southern fiction. Okay. You could describe it as uh, a little bit of a murder mystery. There's some suspense thriller in it, but um, it involves a family here in Charleston in the 1970s. There is a murder in their community that turns the lives of a couple of families upside down. And then we see how the 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 um, this family reacts and how the all the characters change over the course of the book as they deal with the um, uh, the tragedy uh, that's in their lives. Wow!
0: So as you were talking, and you were, let's go back a little bit here, and you were talking I, about sitting down with the blank page and be like, "I'm going to write a book," but then I imagine that that is just seems like an overwhelming goal, right? When you're like. I have a blank page I'm starting and this is going to be a book. How is that going to happen? You know, and I, I, they talk about habit formation, right. And breaking it down into smaller pieces. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did.
1: Yes. Well, you know, there's the, I, you know, there's the old saying, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know? Um, And there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, I'd had, I developed habits in my work career. In terms of you know when I do my best work, how I like to work, how I like to tackle problems, and uh, I like research, I, I like problem solving, I like that. So that really is what it became. It was it became a matter of okay, how do I how do I do this? So what is character arc? How, how do I how do I affect character arc? What's a subplot? Well, I know what a subplot is, but 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 how do you how do you write one? And so I would write, and then I'd kind of get to a point where I'd go. Okay, I'm 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 kind of lost in the woods here. I got to find my way out, and I, I I might then stop and spend several days just Googling and reading blogs and articles on subplot, okay, on how to write a bad guy, on on how to write a fight scene, on um, you know things like that. And so then I jump back in, and that might carry me the next several chapters. And it really became that was really how I I had to tackle it. Yeah, and then the book is does get done. And then, and then, then you begin, you know, the, you know, the editing process. And so, um, uh, you know, I'm the, the, people who are professional writers have been doing this whole career. Um, no doubt they have the ability to sit down and see the story from beginning to end. Sure. They outline it and they, and they write it. Uh, and, and, and maybe I'll get to that point someday, but right now my writing is very much jump in and, and, um, Kind of see where it goes. Okay.
0: Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you is if, as you're doing these small chunks, right, or one bite of an elephant at the time, did you have Mm -hmm. an idea of how you wanted the story to go? Or did the scenes that you were writing each day just really take that arc of the story?
1: The, um, uh, even that was an unfolding process. I can't tell you when, but I did get to the point where I knew it was going to happen. Okay. I had the last scene. I had the last scene in my head. Okay. And I, I and I had, I had, um, you know, I had a couple of uh, plot twists uh, inflection points where I knew, okay, this is going to happen here and that's going to change the direction of the story. So I, I had a couple of those, you know, whatever wording you want to use, tent posts, et cetera, sure. that were going to drive the story. But then I had to write and get myself there. Yeah. And so, so I did know, I did know how it was going to end. Okay. Now, in terms of, in my first book, the very last chapter in the book, um, it's sort of the you know the 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 climax happens in the second to last chapter and we have this that we have this one last chapter. Well it was a scene that I had written that I really liked and I initially had it about halfway into the book. Okay. It was it was sort of some character revelation. And I and I, I like the scene and I and I get towards the end and I go, you know what? That scene belongs at the end of the book. This character blah blah, blah. so anyway the very last chapter of the book was a scene I had written early on. I just, I got to figure out where to put this. And so it ended up working best actually at the end of the book.
0: Okay. So when you get to that scene or what you initially had as the final scene, is that how in this writing process, you know, the book is done. You're like, okay, this is done. I can yeah. leave it. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it, it was done. I I knew when it was done. Okay. There was, there was, yeah, I I knew when it was done.
0: Yeah. I, I have not written a book myself, so I'm like, how do you, how do you in your mind know when, okay, yep, that's it. I'm done writing. That's I'm it. Right. Letting it go. Yeah, we know, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, we know who the killer is or, or everybody's character flaws have been revealed or resolved yeah. or highlighted in some way.
0: Okay. In your career in business, did you do a lot of writing?
1: I did a lot of writing. Okay. Um I was an attorney for two years, So it hardly counts. I was in law school longer than I was an attorney. And of course, okay. that's pretty much all you do is read and write. Yeah. And then after that, I, I I was a small business guy. I started about three different businesses. and and so um i I wrote everything. I wrote our marketing material, installation manuals, uh, uh, you know uh, PR releases uh, letters to investors, communications with vendors. I mean, I wrote, uh, you know, disclosure documents sure. for offering memorandums. I mean, I wrote everything. Um, so the dis, so the, so the, uh, the craft of writing in terms, uh, I had been working on, you know, you know, since I got out of law school yeah. and I, and, and in the business world, uh, well, frankly, throughout much of life, you know, um, the shorter, the better, the shorter, the better. Sure. I really worked to try to keep my communications with whatever my audience was as short as possible. One page, one page, two page. I mean, just really short. So that writing in and of itself was not foreign to me. Okay. Um, now, now, fiction writing is a little different, but still at the end of the day, um, I'm, I'm more, um, dialogue is a different. Writing dialogue is different, but in terms of, you know, the omniscient voice. I'm, I'm probably more of a, you know, short sentence, descriptive type of writer. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: All right. So what did you learn about yourself in this writing process for the book? Let's say for the book.
1: Um, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure if I l- learned anything about my, well, I learned I could write a book. <laughs> um, but, uh, I think the biggest, <clears throat> I'll call it a learning moment, um, or I'd say more of a risk is, um, you know, I told all my um, once the book was done and I was moving towards publication. Like I didn't tell anybody I was writing a
0: book. Okay.
1: I mean, I told a few. Sure. People, I Told a few people. Then it got to a point where I know I'm going to finish this book, and then I began to tell more people. Well, it gets to a point then where you you're, you're publishing your book and it's available for purchase, and of course you want to tell everybody, and so I had a, had a lot of friends who basically they said, you know, I was afraid to read your book. I go, why? And they go, well, I didn't know what to say to you if your book was awful. (laughs) So you really put yourself out there. And I kind of like, I got to get that. So I said, no, go ahead and read it. I can can handle it. And I was very happy. I came back and they're like, oh, good grief. I really liked your book. You know, so some of my older, closer friends were like, I can't believe you wrote a book. And I'm like, why do I always hear that? <laughs> um, so you, you do take a risk yeah. when you all of a sudden, you know, I mean, no one knows what we, I mean, we, we know what people do for business, but you don't actually, you know, see their work product necessarily. Sure. Or just, and all of a sudden you write a book and you're out there. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so I would say it's, it's a very uh uh it's a, it can be risky and I'm really glad I took the risk. Um, and. And if the book had bombed, no big deal. yeah, you know they'd still be friends. Um, but that was probably the the, the um uh the biggest fear, so to speak, was everyone's gonna read this book. yeah, not, I say that, not, not you know not everyone, of course, but a lot of your friends are gonna read this book, yep. uh, you know. Yeah, what happens then?
0: Yeah, I imagine there's a lot of vulnerability in that moment, right? Yeah.
1: Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. You stick it out there, and you go, "Okay, hope they hope they like
0: it." Yeah, I'm exposing myself a little bit. I hope the mm-hmm. outcome's gonna be good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, and then in this process, so you have you do you now have a writing habit? Do you have do you write daily? What does that look like for no. you?
1: No. Um, I would say you know, um, I'm not a I'm I'm not a um. I'm not a professional sure. writer. I'm not a, a writer. I I'm a I, I say I'm a storyteller. Okay. And I I'm learning the craft of writing. Now, that being said, when I get into it, when I when I commit myself to say, okay, we're writing the next book, I didn't have um a a process. And I will write um not every day, but I would say I'm writing, you know, 5 to 6 days a Sorry. week. And I do most of my writing early in the morning. Um and my goal is, you know, 2000 words, 1500 words a day and I so I I do have these or I or or it will be, you know, write this scene, solve this problem, how does this character move from here. So I I I, I would say I'm fairly disciplined once I'm into the actual story okay. and I I know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, but when I'm between books, um, for instance, for the last you know six to seven months, um, I have been really focused on learning American history and learning the history in Charleston. So I've been reading primarily nonfiction books about the Civil War and the colonial times. And I, you know, I give you know two two-hour walking tours a day, yeah. and all of a sudden it's like, okay, I gotta I gotta find that time to write. So that that means getting at the desk at five in the morning. So. I've, I've I've got my book three over here, and I'm pointing at it over here, <laughs> and it's it is um, about seventy five percent formulated up here, and I've got my my executive summary of what the story is going to be, and my wife and I've been traveling for a while, so but we got back this week, and so I'm like okay, uh, it's time yeah. I I need to I need I need to go all in because I can't write a book um a little bit here a little bit there i tried that okay i can't do it i can i i have to fully commit to it and and then i can get it done
0: yeah and i imagine though with your traveling right you've been able to now you said formulate it so much in your head you've been able to really give it a lot of thought and give it some time there so it'll be ready to go out on the page when you sit down
1: yeah so it's it's i've got probably about you know fifteen thousand words written but um i i need to i need to really It needs to become priority one A. Okay. um, Right now. So where was
0: book two then?
1: Book two came out a little over a year ago. Okay. uh, And it's called Eli's Redemption. Okay. And um, without giving away too much, it is I. It's a sequel to book one. Okay. I wrote it as a standalone. I I really um, I I wrote it in such a way that if you hadn't read the first book, you would not be totally lost. Okay. But if you had read the first book, it would pick right up, and and you would go, "Wow, okay, so this is what happened." Um, and now, and and so, um, in the first book, we meet two boys, and they are they are uh, in high school when we first meet them. They're brothers, uh, Walker and Eli. And and so, um, without giving away the the, the plot twist, etc., um, one of the questions people had for me after they read my first book was, "Well, what happened to Eli?" Okay. what happened to Eli? And so I go, and I'm, and at some point in the writing of the first book, I got to a confidence level that I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I started getting the idea that, okay, I could write a series. And so I I went back in the, in the editing process and planted a thing or two here or there. Okay. And so the second book is answers those questions. When people go, what happened to Eli? The second book answers those questions. Okay. Um, and And so now, these two boys,, uh, as the series will advance, become young men with families living in Charleston. And my series is, again, you know, Southern fiction, these two young men now living in Charleston. And because of the the rich history in this part of the, our country, um, my books are always, uh, I say, always, hopefully. Uh, my, my future books are going to involve at times a flashback of sorts to where you know some part of the history of Charleston is is uh, not dredged up but pops up again and and, and uh, impacts lives of people you know living con- you know. Um, living during current times so sort of drawing and and these two characters you know one is going to be a rock star chef we have some wonderful chefs here in charleston the other one's going to be kind of you know the the uh you know the, the the attorney estate planner with uh a whole host of dysfunctional clients um so that's where the hopefully the series is going to go yeah
0: this is why i love reading because i'm learning at the same time too right i might be learning about charleston or a historical right. event in charleston where I'm sure I learned all these things back in school,
1: right. Yeah, but until right.
0: they're put into a story like this, it's like they haven't, you know, they don't start taking up space.
1: <laughs> right. So, yeah, exactly. So the, um, uh, in my second book, uh, half of it takes place in Charleston and half of it takes place in the Bahamas. Okay. And there has been a long connection between Charleston and the Bahamas. Um, uh, I could bore you with some history, but, but, um, uh, during the Revolutionary War, um, uh, people that were living in the colonies, about 20% of our country's population at the time were loyal to King George. And they left the colonies during the Revolutionary War, figuring they'd just turn right around and come back after the Brits had won. Okay. Well, of course, it didn't work out that way. But there were about 5,000 loyalists who fled the southern colonies and ended up in the Bahamas. Huh. So there's always been a connection between the southeast – Uh, and the Bahamas in terms of loyalists who fled the colonies, and then set up and there are still those family names that you can trace back to the colonies. And that's how they ended up in the Bahamas.
0: Wow. Cool. Yeah, So
1: there's all sorts. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think it's cool, too. I'm glad somebody else does. (laughs) So
0: I had literally no idea. I've been to Charleston, but and I didn't I didn't do a walking tour, though. Maybe that would have helped. (laughs) So
1: it's amazing what you can. Yes. That's
0: right. Um, but that's actually what we try to do. Uh, we, our kids are, are younger. They're eight, five, three. So when we travel, we, we do try to do the walking tours because then we can have the stroller and the little one might just fall asleep right. on the walk. Fall asleep. And, um, that is our mode of trying to explore cities for sure. Very good. So, well, let's switch gears a little bit and let's talk about who you are as a reader. So have you always been a reader?
1: Um, the answer is yes and no. Okay. Again, in terms of reading fiction, no, I didn't really start reading fiction um, until I've stopped being a lawyer. Up until then, I had been a constant reader, but it wasn't fiction. Sure. Uh, and I say that to say I was a high school and college debater, and we read and researched constantly. And then law school, it's all you do is, is read. And then as a lawyer, all I did was read. There was no time for fiction. There was no interest in reading yeah. fiction. Uh, I say, I mean, I had a little bit of an interest. Um, you know, obviously, you know, school English classes, and you know, read all the assigned reading, but it it really wasn't my thing. And then um, you know, we had young kids, and then they get to a point where they don't take all of your energy raising them. And my wife and a reader. It happens. <laughs> Trust me, it does. It does. There's this brief little window. Um, and then they become teenagers. Um, no, so uh, my wife had always been a reader. Okay. And so then I just sort of like started, oh, okay. And then, yeah, so I, I became a reader of fiction. I would probably say, oh, it wasn't until my late 20s that I started to, you know, 30, that I began really to have the time and then where I began to make the time. And then, um, you know, my wife and I, for birthdays, all we did was buy the other one books. It was like, we, you know, you, you, it, between holidays and Valentine's and anniversaries, you, after a while you sort of like you, the gift giving becomes, you, you can't, you can't do it four times a year for 30 years. So we would just buy each other books yeah. um, and that worked great. And then the Kindle was invented. And for a while we're like, well, I, I'm not going to buy you a book because there's, there's no satisfaction, yeah. in, you know, sending you a book. Popping an ebook. Now in there. We, yeah. Yeah. Popping an ebook. So we um, were, we're, We've, we've kind of moved through our Kindle stage and we're back to reading books. And so we're now back to buying each other books for our birthdays. Yeah,
0: you should see my husband's nightstand, actually. I laugh as yeah. you're saying this because I, I'll hear about, in doing this show, right? I'll hear about books that because we read differently, I'll hear about books. Oh, my gosh, he would love that book. <laughs> and there are times because his life is busy, too. And, you know, he doesn't always want to pick up a book in the evenings, which, you know, to each his own. I'm like okay, his stack's getting a little obsessive over there on the nightstand. Right. Maybe the yeah. next holiday, I need to get him some clothes or something. <laughs> get him
1: some clothes, right? Yeah. And it used to be you could buy each other CDs, but you can't buy CDs yeah. anymore. Um, so yes, books and music used to be our constant gifts, and now we're we're back but just a books. We don't have a CD player.
0: Yes. So. Yeah. Cause books, yeah. I feel like, cause you hear them and you think of the person, right? So there, right, there right. can be so much more than like, Oh, I just saw this on the shelf. I thought I'd grab it for you. It's like, no, I think yeah. I pan picked this I cause see. I think it would fit you. So
1: I think you would like yeah. it. Right. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, what type of genres do you enjoy to read?
1: Um, Again, that is changing. Um, And, and I'm reading more and more different genres now when I, first began to read you know it was it was um, it was Mitchner, john grisham it was you know all of all of the suspense thrillers etc uh i can't even think of all the other uh names Born identity that whole series and um i now don't read quite as much of that type as i used to um I, i'm reading more historical fiction and i still like the i still like the suspense thriller um, Daniel Silva, uh, his books all around Gabriel Alon. Gabriel Alon is one of my favorite literary characters. Great, great yeah. character. You know, Mossad, uh, espionage, spy, master, whose cover is as an international art uh, restorer. Uh, so those are great books. Um, you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm so much a fan of a genre as I am fans of an author. And if I like the author, I'll go back and I'll, I'll, I'll I'll try to read, you know, everything they've done. Um, James Lee Burke, he would be considered Southern fiction. Most of his books take place in the Louisiana area. He's got a character that um, the books take place in Texas. He's got some that occur in Montana. My favorites are the ones that occur in in the new, uh, new Orleans area. Uh, Ian McEwen, um, I mean, he's he's an extraordinary, extraordinarily gifted writer, uh, and his books are all one-offs. I mean, he always he's always tackling some issue or something uh, interesting. Um, so I'm more of a an author reader than I am a, a genre reader. I mean, I do like the the classic, um, you know, private detective story, you know, but I I won't. But at some point, you read a couple and you go, okay, I need a break. Yeah. And then I'll go. I'll go pick up a nonfiction, uh, and I'll go pick up a book on the Civil War, and I'll uh, and I'll read that. Yeah,
0: I almost think of those as like palate cleansers a little bit. Like you yeah, still exactly. love that like, genre, right. and I. Right. I sometimes feel like I get there with World War II historical fiction. Okay. Like I'm like okay, yep, all right.
1: I love I break. these. Every
0: time I read them, I really right. enjoy them. But like yeah. you need the break. You need to switch I out. You Need the break. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like Harlan Coben, I really like his books. One of the recurring themes in his books, that it seems like he uh, he writes very well about suburban parents and threats that happen to your children. Well, if you're a parent and you read a book about some horrible crime that's been committed on someone's child, I mean, there's nothing scarier. And so I'll read the book and I'll go, okay, that was great, but I need a break, you know. (laughs) I'm going to go read some nuclear war suspense thriller, you know, book. Something that's light, yeah. you know, <laughs> anything, anything other than, you know, than someone's child being kidnapped.
0: Yeah. And seems so far away from, yeah. yes,
1: from reality. Yeah. But so like Harlan Coben is a tremendous storyteller. I like his books, but after I read one, I need a break.
0: Okay. You have brought for us three books that you've been reading lately. Yeah. So can you tell us what's the first one today that you brought?
1: Um, it's called Rhapsody. Okay. And um Mitchell James
0: Kaplan. Okay.
1: And it's historical fiction. And um but it's more historical than fiction. I and mean, the 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 dialogue is fictionalized, but it is the story of a woman who was married to Paul Wahlberg, who was one of the wealthiest banking families in the world in the with the outbreak of World War I. And his father had helped form the Federal Reserve here in the United States. Okay. And she was a skilled, trained, classical musician. And she was sort of born on the poor part of town and ends up marrying this extraordinarily wealthy, powerful man. But the real story is she became the long-term mistress of george gershwin and so it's really the story of their love affair but you um you read the story and you learn a lot about george gershwin and his brother ira uh and what a genius gershwin was but at the same time kind of what a um selfish um childlike man he was because i think that sort of happens when you're a music when you're a genius in any yeah. field you you start to see the world through the eyes as if you were constantly five years old how does this affect me how does this affect me and um and you and then if you're if you are musically inclined you would love this book because you you uh it goes to, to a great deal of detail about how gershwin was such a radical uh, jumping point off of Strauss and and and, and all the nineteenth uh, century you know Austrian um, musical geniuses Mozart so. and all these guys and he comes along, and and he's this improvisational genius, um, fascinating. And I'm I'm personally fascinated by that time period of history when so many of the people in our country were new immigrants. And World War One breaks out and there's a the question as to where their loyalties lie. Yeah. Are they Americans or are they Germans or are they, uh, you know, British? And where do their loyalties lie? And the cultural uh, changes that were happening, um, uh, it, it really, I thought it was an excellent example of historical fiction I really enjoyed it
0: wonderful I've never heard of this one yeah I've played the piano for many years though so I feel like this would be right up my alley yes Um, so
1: Rhapsody okay
0: thank you for sharing that because I'm trying to think I've read somewhere like music is the center of the book um but the one I'm thinking of recently was Brandon or Brendan Slocum I think mm-hmm. the violin conspiracy. Have you read?
1: Yes, I, I haven't read okay. it. But I, I can see the I can see the book. Cover. Yeah,
0: and it's not, yes. um, yeah. it's not historical fiction. It's like more suspense thriller genre fiction. Um, but thank you for sharing that one. Yeah. What is the second book of the pairing?
1: Uh, this is going to be this is totally out of the blue and I'm not done yet. Um, uh, it, this is one I'm reading on a Kindle. Okay. Uh, Dracula, uh, Dracula. Oh, from I'm reading it yeah. right
0: now too. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Oh
1: no. Very funny. Uh, my wife and I, we just got back from a backroads trip. We were, uh, uh, we'd never done one before. And the trip, we floated down the Danube River. And so by night, we floated and slept on the boat. And during the day, we we rode bikes. Okay. And we were in uh, the Czech Republic, Germany, Austria, Slovakia and Hungary. Nice. And so we, we we look for books when we're traveling someplace. We go, oh, is there some great work of fiction that, that was set there? Yep. So I'm like, okay, Transylvania used to be part of Hungary. It's now part of Romania. I'm going to read Dracula. Yeah. So I started reading Dracula and I, I read it on my Kindle. Uh, and I think I'm about 80% of the way through and they're, they're hunting Dracula. Okay.
0: So you're a little bit further. I'm probably... Maybe 30%, thirty percent, thirty, okay. yeah, of the way. Yeah,
1: I won't, I won't run it for you. But one of the things I found interesting um, was in the story, the Count of Dracula. He has um, a hold on the minds of other deranged people. Yes. And there is a, there, and it, you know, there, there is an insane asylum yep. in London. And 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 the many of the inmates, so to speak, of the lunatic asylums, what they call it, they call it the lunatic yeah. asylum are under his control. Now, this might sound crazy, but I remember watching one of the um, Halloween movies, you know, with, uh, yep. with um, what was the, Michael Michael Myers, Michael Myers yeah. right? And he's in an insane asylum. And he has the same control, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, that's a ripoff of Dracula. Yeah. And so, so many of our modern day aura characters, um, th- I think they 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 stole that particular feature from you know from uh, Bram Stoker's book. Yeah. Uh, so I'm reading Dracula.
0: Yeah, I um yeah. my I have a book club of friends because we move a lot, and so we meet virtually. Actually, one lives in Charleston now um and none of us live local to one another but we decided we wanted to like horror i i just i because I, I read at night i don't right. like reading horror because i want to sleep yeah. at night um i
1: don't i'm not really a, i'm not really a fan of the genre either yeah but so uh, we were like uh, but
0: let's maybe dracula it's a classic yeah. maybe it won't be like the blood right. and the gore and as a. right and so but i you know every time i go back and read one of these classics I think in my mind i've always thought, oh they're so unreadable because i remember them being so dry yeah. and being a young teenager and just not maybe not just understanding life right of being able to really dig right. into the story and every time i go back and read a classic i'm like gosh this is way more readable than i would have ever thought
1: <laughs> yeah the um it is they tended to use very long sentences yeah very long sentences. Um, and the dialogue is, of course, very different. It's, it's much more romanticized than our dialogue today. Uh, but I would concur with you, I, I'm, I'm enjoying the book more than I expected to.
0: Yeah. Um, in reading and it. especially when you go, well, you're you have it on the Kindle, yeah. I bought a hard copy yeah. book. And I'm like, this oh, thing is thick.
1: <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah, and I kind of one of those. I I'm reading. I'm I'm screening along. Wow, this this is a really long book. You know. Yeah. So I think
0: it's almost 500 pages in the print form on the on the you know, (laughs) the book. So I'm like, when I got it, I'm like, okay, hopefully this is gonna be a good one because I'm gonna spend a lot of time with this. (laughs) I'm reading it. Yep. (laughs) Okay, and then what is the last book you're reading?
1: um i am this one i read a while ago um and the author's name is tana french okay and she's irish and i think i've read now three or four of her books yeah. this one was called the searcher and it's a retired cop from chicago who is uh you know he's divorced he's got an adult child and he just sort of on a whim picks this tiny little rural town in ireland and he moves to But um, and there's a character in the book, uh, a a child, teenage level that he ends up kind of befriending. He's acting in a way towards this this vagabond type child in this small village in a way that I think he wish he, he ends up having a relationship with this child that he wishes he had with his his now adult daughter who's still living back in the States. Uh, but he's he's a cop by nature. That's just his nature. So he begins to investigate a crime around town and he begins poking his nose into the lives of some people. And he's the outsider. Um, she, you know, Her books, I would say, are difficult to describe. And I mean that in a good way. She's a very gifted writer. Um, she, you know, she she writes stories with compelling characters. Um, I really like her books. I, I don't know really how to describe them. Um, she's just a very good writer. So that was the the last book that I read. Uh, you know, more of a literary fiction, um, a lot of character depth. You know, you learn a lot about the characters. And and the changes they go through are very, very subtle. They're very subtle character arcs. They're not like hit you over the head. Yeah. You know, the big change, right?
0: Yeah, I read um, the first book. I can't think of the name of the series right now by her
1: is it the the female police detective yes. in um, in dublin yes. yeah i've read a couple of, i forget her I name i know too. it's
0: skipping my mind yeah, right now
1: i've read i've read a couple of them and i like them yeah you know they're good yeah you no know, so and then and, and um and they're written in such a way that some of the irish colloquialisms there's enough there you know you're reading characters that are irish that are they're, they're living in Dublin, but it's not so thick and heavy that as an American, I'm, I, you know, that it goes over me. Yeah. So I I enjoy reading them from that perspective, and I'm aware that they have an Irish brogue. I'm aware of that, but it's not it's not too thick. You're able to, you know, you're able to read the books.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that book flight today of the books that you've been reading lately. That is really fun. And we've got the full gamut here, right, of a historical mm-hmm. fiction to a classic.
1: Yeah, romantic uh, uh, horror story, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that is great. How I love to end the show here is what I call our bonus pairings, which are just a speed round of questions. So we can just Thanks. answer these really quick. Sure. Where is yep. your favorite place to read?
1: Um. Uh, here now, today we have a, uh, a screened-in porch in the back of the house. Nice, and that's my favorite place to read.
0: Lovely. And what's the the winters get like in Charleston? Are they pretty yeah. mild? Or yeah,
1: I'd say they're mild. Okay. Um, a, a, a cold winter day is, uh, you know, 45 degrees and misty rain. Okay, but you can also get 65 degrees and bright sun. Yeah. So they're they're mild, but they're they're not necessarily predictable. You could get a great week and followed up by a cold
0: week. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I was just wondering if you could get out there year round.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can. I, I, um, but there are times of the year that I would travel here over other times of the
0: year. Okay. All right. And then what is one book you have read that has changed your life?
1: Um, okay. This, 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 there is not a fiction book that I've read that has changed my life, but there, there just isn't one. So, uh, the, you know, the, um, um, I'm a, um, Uh, I would say I'm not a churchgoer, but I'm a follower of Christ, so I would have to answer that question with the Bible is the one book that I've read that has changed my life. But in terms of fiction, there's some books I've I've really loved. I go, wow, that was a great book, but it didn't change my life.
0: Yeah. And the Bible, you could read it every single day of your life, and you're still going to get something from it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the genius yeah. of it. Depending on where you are in life, the parables will take on a whole new meaning yeah. for you.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And then are you a rereader?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I knew that question was coming. <laughs> and I my first response was no. I I don't reread. And then I go, wait, well I did read that. Well, I did. So there's like a half a dozen books that I've reread. Okay. Uh, a separate piece. John Knowles, a book that I read when I was, I don't know, ninth grade, 10th grade. Uh, And that was probably the first book that I read that was assigned to me that I go, wow, that was a great book. So I reread it a few years ago. Again, loved the book. It's a World War II era book. uh, Boys at an all boys prep school, they're they're, they're ready to grow up, become men and go to war. Uh, Great book. John Knowles wrote, other books. And so I went back and I read more of what he wrote. He was known for a separate piece. It was a runaway bestseller continues to sell. His other stories are great. Um, I reread that one. Um, um, uh, Golf in the Kingdom is a cult book by a guy named Michael Murphy. Okay. Do you have any golfers that listen to this show that go, yeah, yeah, I know that book. <laughs> um, uh, One flew Over the cuckoo's nest. Ken Casey. Yeah. Um, I reread that book a couple of years ago. Uh, sort of the anti-hero. I was I was trying to write an anti-hero character. Okay. So I went back and I read, you know, uh, that book. One of my all-time favorite movies and a a really book yeah Uh, so those are a couple that i've reread
0: okay wonderful thank you for sharing those and then last question here what are you reading next well i know you're going to finish dracula
1: yeah i gotta finish dracula um i've got a couple i've got i'm I'm gonna jump back into some history i've got a i've got um a three volume set on the civil war each volume is like about this uh I read a couple this summer. I called this summer, the summer of the tome. Okay. I read all of these, you know, all these, I read this book on European history because we were going to central and Eastern Europe and it was, it was like this. So I've got volume one of this trilogy on the civil war that I'm going to read. But again, that's a book that I can't just sit down and read all the way through. Yeah. I need a break. Uh, so actually um, I just purchased um, it should arrive hopefully today. Um the river we remember, uh, um, yes. William Kroger, Kroger, I'm not sure how to pronounce Kroger. He wrote this tender land, yeah. which I read a couple of years ago, yeah. maybe last summer. Um, really liked that book. So I yeah. purchased that one. Um, he was
0: on the, you know, he, I had him on the show episode. Oh, yeah. So you can yeah. listen. It's yeah. out. It came out on yeah. September 6th. I can't remember Excellent. the episode number though, but we talked yeah. a bit about, uh, this Tenderland
1: great. Yeah, book. Yeah, and
0: the river we remember because yeah. it was it came out after it released. So we had okay. talked about that so too.
1: I've got that one coming in. And then kind of more and then Grisham's book, The Sequel to the Firm, The Firm which he okay. wrote yeah. twenty five years ago. I think it's called The Exchange. Oh. That book I'm not sure if it's coming out in it, I'm not sure if I'm receiving it tomorrow or if I'm receiving it in a few weeks, but I know it's coming out.
0: Okay, I didn't know that he um, was so coming to, out with a sequel. I'll have to yeah, pay attention it's a
1: sequel. Yeah, I mean, I I stopped reading Grisham religiously probably ten years ago. I kind of I don't know, but I they're 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 safe books, yeah. um, great characters. I you know I'm not one to criticize a guy that's written so as many copies as he has. Um, I often feel like his books stumble across the finish line. Um, they're great characters, they're great they're great storylines. I just sort of feel like sometimes they just sort of kind of fizzle out. You yeah. just sort of finish it. You're like, okay. okay. But The Firm was a great yeah. book. Um, and so this is the sequel written 30 I years know. later, or whatever okay. it is. So I'm like, okay, I'll read that one. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So
1: those are those are the, the next books I have coming up.
0: Wonderful. All right, Paul. Why don't you tell us how we can find you?
1: Oh, it's quite simple. Uh, Paul Attaway. Dot com. Paul, P A U L last name is A-T-T-A-W-A-Y. And there you can learn about my books, um, how to buy them, where to buy them. And if you're in Charleston and you're looking for a tour, you can reach out to me there as well.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know your time is precious, so I appreciate all that you've given mm-hmm. me today.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: You are so welcome. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today with Paul Attaway. You can find all about the books talked on this episode and his book flight at bookishflights.com. That is also where you can find more information on today's flight and any other books that we talked about today. I want to inspire a community of readers. So whenever you share a post about what you are reading or what you are picking up next, especially if you have heard about the book on the show, please tag us follow us on Facebook or Instagram at bookish flights. This is a brand new show. So if you enjoyed it, please head over to Apple podcasts and give the show a review. Your review not only helps me, but it also helps the show reach others. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple podcasts or Spotify to make sure that you will not miss an episode. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. As Emma Thompson said, I think books are like people in the sense that they'll turn up in your life when you most need them. Cheers to you, dear readers. Until next time.